Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. We uh, want, want to take a look this morning at a text in Matthew chapter 7 that's been read in your hearing already, uh, verse 24 through 27. And what I want to, to uh, tell you is that this is the conclusion of a series of statements that Jesus has made. As a matter of fact, when we go back to Matthew chapter 5 at verse 1, we find that this is what is known as chapter 5, 6, and 7 as the Sermon on the Mount. And so we have basically an encapsulation of how a Christian ought to behave on this earth in these chapters. And when Jesus comes to the end of it, he says, if you will hear what I said and do what I said, then when the storm comes, you can stand. Well, let's just take a look. I'd like to re refer you to some of the things that... He's saying in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, so that we can come to this conclusion. We'll refer back to them a little later as well, but, but basically he, he's, he's making some statements concerning our faith in God and how we should behave ourselves. And everything that we do with our God must necessarily come through the prism of faith, our faith in God. What we, what we do in our lives must be and should be controlled by faith in Jesus Christ and faith in our God through Jesus Christ. Now, as he starts his Sermon on the Mount, he sets, sets up what we call the Beatitudes. And in these, this, this little phrase, short phrase, he talks about blessings. He said, and the word blessing really, if, if we uh, understand it correctly, it means happy. So he's saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are the merciful, the pure in heart, and the peacemakers. And then he said, even, even your blessing, if, if you suffer for righteousness' sake. So what he's basically looking at here is, people that are, have these particular characteristics are part and parcel of his kingdom and therefore participate in it. And then he talks about if, if you have salt, that is, you need to be able to preserve that which is good. If the salt has lost its savor, it's lost its usefulness. And he talks about being be a light on the hill. Keep your lights turned on. He talks about keeping the law. He said, now, now don't forget to keep the law. And James mentions this as well in, in his uh, dissertation in, in the book of James about keeping of the law. And he said, I'm not, I'm not throwing the law away. He said, I'm establishing the law. So that he's saying we still have commandments that we have to keep from God. And then he says, don't get mad. He said, the law says don't, don't kill someone. But he says, I, I'm telling you, don't get mad at them. Then he goes on, he says, be, be careful uh, when, uh, when you talk about family relationships. He said, uh, they, they, people have said before, the old timers have said before, thou shalt not commit adultery. But let me tell you something. 
Don't even look at a woman to lust after her. Because when you do that, you commit adultery already in your own heart. Then he, then he talks about giving your word. When you make an oath, keep your word. And he says, he says, if you get in trouble with people, different individuals, and someone says, uh, I, I don't like you and slaps you on the face, he said, here's the way you do it. You turn the other cheek. Someone said, I, I want your coat. He said, okay, give him your coat, give him your cloak also. Get, get out of that situation. He said, someone wants you to go a mile with them. Go too. Get it over with. Get away. Be like your father which is in heaven. Don't get caught up in this stuff. He said, be above that. Then in chapter 6, he talks about almsgiving and your religiosity. He said, if you're going to be religious, be genuine in your religion. And he, then he says, I'm going to tell you also how to pray. And he says, when you pray, do this way. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be their name, be thy name. And so then he, he details that prayer. Then he says, if you're going to be religious, he said, don't make everybody think that you're suffering for it. He said, when you're fasting, don't put on a fasting face. Wash your face and, and go out in, in public and act like a decent, ordinary individual. He said, don't try to call your attention to yourself as some sort of a martyr or some sort of a victim. He said, just because you have to go to church on Sunday, don't grudge it. Don't act like you're giving up everything in the world to do that. He said, go with happiness. Don't let anybody think that you're suffering for me. And he said, and when you're making money on this earth, be sure that you make some in heaven too. He makes that statement. He says, the light of the body is the eye. And he said, keep your eye single. Make sure you have your eye on the prize. And he said, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and mammon. Then he said, and if you get concerned over what goes on in this earth and whether or not you're going to have enough to eat and you're going to have some clothes on your back, he said, just remember, God will take care of you. My Father will take care of you. And then he said, when you're judging things, when you're deciding what's right and what's wrong, he said, don't be so concerned about your neighbor. Be concerned about yourself. Don't pluck the splinter out of his eye. Take the beam out of your eye. Then he said, when you want me, he said, when you want to know about, when you want me and my father, just knock. We'll be there. Knock and we'll, and, and we'll answer. Open and knock and it will be open unto you. And he said, walk in the straight gate. Come in the straight gate. Then he said, when you live a life, as you're living, the tree is known by its fruit. Then he said, be careful that you're committed completely to me. Now I just run through this pretty quickly. And then at the end he says, if you will do these things, if you'll hear my voice, hear what I said, what I told you, it's a, it's a small section instruction. If you will hear all these things and do them when the storm comes, You'll survive. What? What? I, I just rushed through this stuff. I rushed through these things. Three chapters. It's boilerplate language, basically. It's sort of a tutorial for the Christian. Behave like this, and when trouble comes, you'll be okay. Two things. Hear what I said, listen to my advice, and then do them. Then do them. Now, what he's saying is, he's saying the rain's going to come, and the floods are going to rise, and the wind's going to blow, and you could either going to stand or fall.
On what basis, Lord? If you've been doing what I said you ought to be doing, you'll stand or fall. You know, again, I want to mention the fact that that he's talking about the basis of our relationship with God. And that's by faith. By faith. And, of course, when Jesus came, he said, uh, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes on him should have everlasting life. Shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So he's talking, he's talking about an issue of faith. But he's also talking about an impending storm. And generally, the first thing we think about is judgment. Judgment's coming. We need to have our foundation right. And of course, Paul said, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 11, Paul said, other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. So we put our foundation down firmly on Jesus Christ. And we think about, we think in terms of, well, if the judgment comes, when the judgment comes, I want to be left standing. Now, I, think, I don't think that's what he's talking about. I don't think that's at all what he's talking about. Now, there's a reason why I don't believe that. First of all, this is talking about rain and floods and winds. The judgment is not going to come with, uh, with a gathering storm. It's not going to come that way. The judgment's coming in the blink of an eye, in a flash. There won't be a building storm and the waves crashing and the, and the wind blowing. It won't be like that. Matter of fact, that sort of storm, God said before, I'm not going to send another one like that. I'm not, I'm not going to destroy this world like that again. You remember when Noah built an ark, 40 days and 40 nights of rain, and it was on the, the flood was on the earth over a year, and then when it receded, God put a rainbow in the sky, put a bow in the sky, and said, I'm not going to do this again. I am not going to bring another flood and destroy this earth. I'm not going to do that. That's found in the book of Genesis chapter 8, verse 21 and 22. Well, how will the final day come? What will come in the day of judgment? Here we're looking at Matthew 7, verse 24 through 27. And it says, The wise man will build his house on the rock. And as a matter of fact, Luke says, in Luke's account, he said, You dig deep and put your foundation down on the rock. We know that rock is Jesus Christ. Matthew 16, verse 16 through 18. The rock upon which the church is built. The Christians, the, that community of, of, of believers. Now, that foundation is set, and yet we're told that the judgment is coming in terms of a fiery flame. And it's coming quickly. In, in the book of uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7 and 8, To you who are troubled, Paul said, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's coming in flaming fire. In Second Peter chapter 3 at verse 10, the day of the Lord will come not as a gathering storm, not as wind and, and uh, turmoil. He said he will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. 
That's the impending end of this system, end of the world. Flaming fire comes as a thief in the night. First Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 16 says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. Well, that's how that's coming. With a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. It doesn't talk about a foundation. It doesn't talk about digging deep. It doesn't talk about a storm. It it says nothing about rain and a flood and winds. It says he's going to descend from heaven with a shout. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, it says, Of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then shall come a sudden destruction come upon them, as, upon, as travail upon a woman with a child, and they shall not escape. So, in the day of judgment, from what the New Testament says, the dead judgment is going to come suddenly. The Lord will descend from heaven with a shout. And everything will be, the earth and the works therein will be burned up. That's going to happen in the dead judgment. And in Hebrews chapter 1 at verse 10 through 12, it says, Thou Lord, in the beginning you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the works of your hands. They shall perish, but you remain they all shall wax old as does a garment, and as a vesture shall you fold them up, and they shall be changed. But you are the same, and your years shall not fall or fail. So he's going to fold everything up like a garment. Burn it up. Okay. Now, that being said, what we're looking at in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27, when he says, I will liken unto you. I'll liken who, who that he, he that hears, hears these words of mine and does them. I'll liken unto a wise man that built his house on a rock. And the floods came and the rains fell and the wind blew and it stood. Okay. He's talking about a crisis of faith. That's what he's talking about. He's saying, he, and you know what he's not saying, if, if the rain falls, if the flood comes, if the wind blows, he said when it comes. And he said when it comes, the guy that didn't dig deep and put his foundation down, he's going to be swept away. I believe, and I think I have the uh, evidence before you, I believe that he's talking about the fact that when the crisis comes that challenges your faith, when your world comes crashing down around you like a great storm, the only way you're going to stand is if you have your foundation on Jesus Christ and you have heard and have done the things that he mentioned from chapter 5 through chapter 7 the boilerplate language of Christianity, the day-to-day things that involve your faith. If you have been doing these things, if you have listened to me, been doing these things, then when your faith is put in crisis mode, you will be able to stand. Now that involves the fact that we're talking about an issue of faith. The Bible tells us 
after we read, as we read the New Testament and the Old Testament as well, the Bible tells us that we are before God either faithless or faithful. We either have faith in Him or we don't. That's the issue. There's no two ways. There's no two issues. It's just one, and that is you either believe Him and follow Him or you don't. And when the crisis comes in your life of faith, you either have it or you don't. And if you don't have it, you're going to fall. If, you do, if you're not solidly grounded in the faith and your foundation is Jesus Christ, you're not going to make it past the crisis with your faith. Now, Romans chapter 11 and verse 20 and 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 24 both say that we stand by faith. We stand by faith. That means that it is entirely possible that we can fall from our faith. And that, my friend, is a disaster. That's the disaster. Everything else can fall around, down around our ears. But if we fall in our faith, we have succumbed to an eternal disaster. And we can fall. There are those who teach that you're once saved, you're always saved, that you just can't fall. Once God gathers you in His arms, once He loves you, and of course Romans chapter 8 talks about the fact that who can separate us from the love of God? Well, nothing can separate us from the love of God, but my friend, let me tell you, the Bible tells us very plainly, we can fall. We can fall. And you know that text in, Romans, in Matthew chapter 7 says... Great is the fall of it. It can be, we can fall. And we, we have texts in the New Testament that teach us that. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12, Paul said, Wherefore let him that thinks he stands, take heed lest he fall. Now if, you, if you're not standing, you can't fall. Someone says, well you can't fall from the faith. Paul said, wait a minute. Be careful, if you think you can't fall, you're going to fall. It can happen. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 4 through 6 says, It's impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Spirit, have tasted the good word of God. Now listen to all of that. This describes a, a believer, someone who has been saved from their sins and is standing in the presence of God, saved, washed and redeemed, washed by the blood of Christ, redeemed by His blood, standing before Him, pure, clothed in the robes of righteousness. And He says, and the, the, you've tasted the powers of the world to come. If they shall fall away, it's impossible to renew them again to repentance. See, and they crucified themselves as the Son of God afresh, put Him to an open shame. Now Peter said, in Second Peter chapter 2 at verse 20, if after they have escaped, the, the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord Savior Jesus Christ they are again entangled therein and overcome the latter end is worse with them than the beginning so he said you have escaped but you, you fall back in so it is possible there's a, there's a plethora of passages in the New Testament that talk about in, in warning language talk about the fact that we can fall we stand by faith we walk by faith. 
And we can fall from our faith. And that's the disaster. So, what we're looking at at this point, what I want you to look at is that there is a coming storm. Now, he doesn't say if the storm comes. He doesn't, he doesn't say it's something that may or, not, may or may not happen to you. But he says there is a storm coming. And that storm, my friend, is going to be a crisis of your faith. The storm will be beating upon your faith. Now, we shouldn't be shocked when it comes because Jesus said it was coming. We need to be prepared for it. We need to practice. We need to recognize that it's not only a possibility that our faith is going to be under siege, but it's a, it's a, a, a determined fact. It will be. And so he says, board up the windows, shut the doors, stay away from falling glass, make sure that you don't, you, you don't uh, suffer the disaster, keep your foundation on Jesus Christ, because the devil's coming for you, and he's looking for the weak spots, he's looking for the place that he can probe around and finally find a place where he can get in and tear you down. Now, the storm is coming. And the defense that a believer has against that storm, and I'm going to tell you what it is in just a minute, and you know as well as I do what the storm is, what the storms are. But I, I'm going to remind you of them. The storms, of course, come from different situations that happen in our life. Different things will occur. And we're not immune from it. The whole world is going to be faced with the same things that we're faced with. We are, as believers in Jesus Christ, we're not in a bubble protected of God in such a way that it, things will never happen to us. Dreams are going to crash to the ground. Our, our fondest dreams will. They will. There will be things that are happening, good things and bad things that are happening in our lives, and they happen to everybody. God doesn't isolate us from the evil. He doesn't, he doesn't do that. He doesn't vaccinate us against all diseases. The Christian will get a disease just like an unbeliever will get a disease. We'll all get diseases. Some of us will get over the disease and some of us won't. We don't live in a, in a sheltered environment. Dreams will, will tumble. Revolutions will occur. You know, we're living in a, in a time of panic right now. We're living... We're living through a, a time of disaster and difficulty. Not only is it a, a medical problem, but we're also having a social problem right now, trying to get through these troubled times. But everybody is, friends. It's not just Christians. It's everybody. Everybody's trying to get past the crisis. And we will get past it. Everybody will get past it. Not just the Christians. Everybody will get past it. What I'm saying is you need to get past it with your faith intact. You will get past it. Everybody will get past this medical thing, the coronavirus 19. We'll all get beyond it. But will you get beyond it with your faith intact? That's the point. And that's what he's talking about in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27. Friendships will fall and fail. Death will visit our doorsteps. 
we will get sick and some of us will die and some very, very terrible things can happen to us in this life. And you know it as well as me. I know it too. I know that, that uh, I'm not immune to cancer. No, neither are you. There's no vaccination against it. Christians and non-Christians, believers and non-believers alike, we're going to suffer that. And, believe it or not, unbelievers can get through it just as well as Christians can get through it. The difference, friend, is that God says in order for you to, when you get through it, you'll get through it. But when you get through it, make sure your faith is intact. Don't get on the other side of it without your faith. Keep your faith. Keep your faith. It's so easy to lose faith in the face of a crisis. When a friendship fails and you feel betrayed and your life seems to have come to an end, what do you do? Do you get bitter? Do you get even? Do you mourn? Do you grumble? Do you complain? You know what Jesus said? He said, Listen to what I'm telling you to do and do it and you'll get through it with your faith. That's the key. That's the key. Marriages will fail. There'll be, there'll be, there'll be disasters in families. These will happen. And you know, everybody gets beyond these. And there are different ways they, they can do it. Believers and unbelievers like They get beyond these problems. They go beyond that. But when you get beyond it, you need to look around and say, did I get beyond it with my faith intact? Or did I leave my faith behind? Did I lose my self-control during these heightened, tense situations? Did I, did I retaliate like I shouldn't have done during this time? Or did I get through it with my faith intact in Jesus Christ? You know what? Jesus said, if you'll hear what I said and do what I said, the little things, the day-by-day, 24-7 things that He said to do, if you'll do those, you will get through your crisis. That's what he said. If you will hear and do what I told you, Sermon on the Mount, do those things, boilerplate things, you say, well, what? Well, he said, love your enemies. Uh-oh. I'm in a crisis. I'm in a family crisis. And all of a sudden, I, I'm bitter against someone. Jesus said, don't do that. You see, it's easy to be a good Christian in easy times. It really is. And to keep your faith when the crisis isn't there. But when the heavens split above your head, and I'm talking about issues. You, you're sick. You've got a child sick. Someone dies in your family. And every, we've all lost someone in our family. Everybody in this world has lost someone. Not just us. And we get beyond this pale of death. We do. But do we get beyond this pale of death with our faith intact? That's what we're talking about. That's what Jesus said. Keep your foundation firm on Jesus Christ. If you have heard my words and done them, I'll get you through this. Basically, that's what he's saying. Isn't it? It's not as medical, maybe. You say, well, but 
I had faith in Jesus Christ, but my sister died. She had faith in Jesus Christ. Well, we're all going to die. That, that's the point. Do I lose faith in God because my sister died? Because my brother died? My mother died? My daddy died? Does my faith, what happens to my faith in God? Did he tell me, Bill, nobody's going to die in your life. Everything's going to be all right. You're going to, I'm going to put you in a bubble. Everybody else is going to suffer, but not you, because you're a believer. That's not what he said. What he said was, I'll get you through this. I'll get you through life. And when you, you may face death, you may not get over your cancer. You may not overcome the COVID-19. It may be a number of things. You may not... You may not like this revolution, social revolution they were going through either. We don't, I don't like it. You don't like it. Nobody liked it, I don't think, except those that are creating the problems. We, we, we'll, we'll get on the other side of it. Everybody will. But will I get on the other side with my faith intact? That's the point. That's the point. Am I going to do things during this time when my patience is stretched? Am I going to lose my temper? Am I going to react in a way that is not favorable to before God? The Bible says I need to, and Jesus said I need to forgive my enemies, and I need to love my brothers myself. I need to love my neighbor. So what I'm saying is, during the crisis is when we need our faith the most, day by day. But in the crisis is when I need it. Criticism. Lies, pornography, sadness, insincerity, all these things. Well, facing a crisis in our lives, and, and of course it feels like our whole life is coming apart at the seams. But we, we, we can get through. And I'm going to tell you how people get through. I'm going to tell you how they get through a major crisis in their life personal relationships family friends neighbors things happen that just tear you down and make you feel like you don't want to look at tomorrow your home may be destroyed by fire or by flood how do you get through it well you look around look around people get through those people rebuild we all do that. We, we can do that because the human spirit's resilient. We can get, get through problems. Neighbor helps neighbor and so forth. We can get on the other side. But the question is, when you get on the other side, do you still have your faith intact in God? That's the point. Or do you blame people? Do you criticize people? Do you become bitter in your spirit when you get on the other side? Or if you never get on the other side, what happens when you fall and you get up, but you, do you see yourself as a victim? Do you, do you blame everybody else for your problems? Th these are the points I'm making. Our crisis in our lives, when it comes storming down on us, is testing our faith, maybe. But the point is, we, if, if our foundation is right, we will get, we'll get through. Now... Stormy weather ahead. It is. You might as well expect it because Jesus said there's going to be one. And you're going to come into a crisis situation where you're going to need your faith. That's what you're going to need your faith. Okay. 
How do people maintain their faith through a crisis, through a tremendous, overwhelming, overpowering loss, or an overpowering surge of sadness? How do people get through this? How do you do it? Jesus said, do it this way. He said, just do what I told you to do. Hear my words and obey my voice. Do what I said and you'll get through it. So that means it's a day by day, every day, every day of your life. When you get up in the morning, you think, okay, Lord, uh, what am I going to do today? And, and what if, what if uh, a temptation comes along? How am I going to handle it? What if a neighbor is, is out of sorts? So I, I, I find myself looking at a neighbor and saying, I, I don't really like what's going on here. So Jesus said earlier, he said, well, forgive your neighbor. Forgive him. Treat your neighbor like yourself. So I do that, and I do that in little increments. Every day, every day, I do that. Every day, I think about that. Every day when it comes up, I think about that. Every day when it comes up, I think, well, Jesus told me to do it this way. What if somebody insults me? Maybe a small insult. Okay, I'll get over that. Jesus said, take a slap, forget it, go back to business, give him another cheek if that satisfies him. He wants that too, give him that. But just get over that and get on down the road. He wants my coat, Lord. Well, okay, give him a coat too. Anyway, I just do these things, little things, and then all of a sudden when the major problem comes and the storm comes and it's a major difficulty in my life and all of a sudden it's not just a little tap on the cheek, it's a devastating blow that somebody issues to me. You know what? I'm prepared because I've been practicing that. I've been practicing forgiving people. Every day. Every day. My wife says something that upsets me. I say something that upsets her. Which, God forbid, that I would do anything like that. But things happen. <laughs> so what do you do? Little things. You forgive. You go on. You say, okay, it's nothing. So when the big thing comes, when the monster issue comes, when the heavens split aside, split open, and the, and the spears of lightning fall, and the rain falls on your roof like in great buckets, and the wind also blows you, almost blows you away, how do you react? How do you react? Because you've been trained, you react with faith. Because you know how to react. And when you get the real problem, that's when you step up and say, Lord, I know how to handle this. I, I'm not going to return evil for evil. Because I've been practicing. I'm like a Boy Scout. I'm always prepared. You know, in times of danger, in times of difficulty, when there's disaster coming, we look to individuals who have been trained and prepared for that emergency. So what I do, and what you do, and what everybody does who gets through these traumas with faith, is they have been practicing every day the little things, the boilerplate items of Christianity. They've been doing the little things every day. Every day. And when the time comes, when the big storm hits, guess what? 
prepared. You can get through it. You can get through it. The human spirit is resilient. But if we're to survive, even with our human spirit, if we're to survive the greatest catastrophes that visit our lives with our faith on the other side of it, and our house stands because it's on a rock, we're going to do it because the little things that you read in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, if you've been doing those every day, forgiving the little sins, not picking at other people's problems, keeping your word, that's what he's saying, things like that. Don't get angry without a cause. He said that too. Laying up treasures in heaven. He said to do that too. All the little things that you read about, the day by things in the New Testament, if you have been doing those every day of your life, every morning you get up and every night you go to bed, you've been praying to God, you've been forgiving your enemies, when the major crisis comes and it feels like your world is going to fall apart, you will stand. That's what he says. The house that's built on a rock will stand. That will get you through the storm. God help you.